Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Well, praise the Lord. Didn't really ever think about it, but hearing it from what Bishop said, that first NYC really was a turning point. I bought a Bible that's uh, very similar to the one I have up here. Uh, it just kind of caught my attention. It was kind of easy to follow through. A lot, of, a lot of little things in it that broke it down, made it easy to read. I wish I'd done that a little bit sooner. But tonight, I just want to give honor to God. He knew exactly what I needed back in 2006 to change my mind. He showed me a lot of patience and love over these years. I give honor to Bishop. As many of us know, if we ever need a smile or a warm embrace, that's the man we need to go to. He overflows with the love of God. He's not here tonight, but I give honor to Brother Mason. He was my youth pastor for so many years. He did a phenomenal job, and because of all those years, he's one of the biggest reasons I can stand here tonight. I give honor to my parents who raised me in the church and through example showed me how to live for Christ. They didn't just tell me, though they did. They showed me, and that made the biggest impact. I give honor to pastor. I love to hear him preach because I know all the amount of fasting and praying and studying he puts into every sermon. Even the ones where he comes up here and he doesn't really have any notes, he doesn't really know what to say. I have no doubts. I know how he prays and studies the word. I know God uses him greatly. And I know if you're ever looking how to get to heaven, you can just follow pastor. He'll get you there. And I just want to say thank you, brother and sister Malone, for allowing me uh, room to, to crash in. I didn't go for a whole of NYC. I just drove up for the last night. They allowed me to stay in a room so I wouldn't have to drive home tired and I really appreciate that and I don't really have a starting starting verse here tonight so if we would let's just lift our hands and ask God to speak to us go ahead and be seated. My sermon title tonight is A Dabble Do, or it's just a little dabble doer. It's something that's actually been on my heart for a little while, and when pastor came to me last week asking me to speak, I knew this was exactly what I was going to talk about. And please bear with me this evening. I've actually been uh, freaking out a lot about speaking. I'm not the best public speaker. I've never liked it. I've been worried about getting this material together, having just the right amount of everything, not too much, not too little, uh, which is actually very ironic, as this message tonight actually has to do with along those lines, 
not needing everything to be just right. So let's just dive right in and see what the Lord has placed in my heart. Because when it comes to God, a little bit really can be enough. And yeah, the lengthy prayers, the eloquent words, the amazing worship where you lose yourself in his presence, spending 30 minutes or so reading the word, coming to church in just the best and right outfit. It's totally amazing. But I'm talking about the times when nothing seems to flow just right. What I want to talk about is the times where you can't find the right words to pray, even when you're trying. When worship feels just more like it's motions. Where Murphy's Law, what can go wrong, will go wrong, kind of hits you really hard in all the God areas, and usually also the normal areas of your life. Tonight, I want to address the times where all you've got is a little bit, where all you've got is just this little dab to offer God. And personally, I've had many, many prayers where I was really glad none of you could hear them, or anybody else for that matter, because the wording was just not there. I would usually feel tongue-tied There's many times I've had to start a prayer over because I just can't get the words to come together. Anybody else relate to that? It happens to me uh, quite a lot. And I'm really happy for the times where I don't have trouble finding the words, where I'm just in praying, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost, I'm making intercession for others, I'm praising God, and I'm generally just having some really good prayers, some real good quality time with God, and everything's going just right. But trust me, my unamazingly worded prayers have had me pretty bothered several times because I didn't feel like it was good enough for God. I'm only human. And the lesson God taught me through this is what I'm going to speak about. So what's the best way we could or should come to God? To better know that, we need to better understand what and who God is. In Genesis 1, we can see that he is the maker of all things. Through study, we see that God made space, matter, and time. Everything that makes all of this, all of this. Everything that we know. All of it was created and is sustained by God. And looking at this, we see that God is the creator. And as our creator, as the creator of all things, He is above all things and through all things, and no thing or person can compare to him. If we look at the sun, the light, and the warmth we receive from it, it's really pale and cold in comparison. The great depth of the ocean, all its mysteries, because 95% of our own ocean, we don't know what's up with it. We don't know what's there. We know more about space than our own ocean. All that mystery, the great depth of it, and the fear and the wonder it instills in us, It's nothing to the mystery of godliness. The love we feel from those we love, whether it's from our parents to us, to a loved one, to to your spouse, it's only a smudged reflection of the love we can receive from God. The infinite distance of space is still smaller than our God. And even wisdom and logic is nothing compared to God, as all the wisdom and logic we have is from God in the first place. And we will still never obtain as much wisdom as God has. In short, God made it all. Everything. Your physical being, your spiritual being, 
the ground you walk on, the air you breathe, what you see, what you don't see, known physical matter, dark matter. I get real nerdy here, but I'm not going to. All of it. God made it. It's just a word. He said, let it be, and it was. He is our creator, creator of all things. But we also see in 1 John 4 and 8, God is love. Not only our creator, but he is love. And it's not just that he does love. It's not that he's doing a thing with love. It's that he is love. And love is so much more than just an emotion or a feeling. It is passion. It is a choice. Love drives people to sacrifice everything for the sake of the affection. There's nothing a person won't do for the sake of love, including laying down their own life. And when we read the word that God has given us, his word, and all the many books and chapters, all the different stories, we start to see just how much God loves us. And the deeper you go, the deeper you find that love. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. It's really hard not to love someone who loved you before you were even born. You love your parents. They loved you before you even knew how to love what it was like to experience anything. And yeah, oh, we test his patience a lot. Though he loves us without condition. And as any parents here can testify, the testing of the patience kind of comes with the territory. And God, he is our father. We are his children. He can bear with us because he is love. And there's nothing that love can't do. There's nothing that love can't put up with. So far, we're looking at the fact that God is our creator of all things and that he is love. But he is also Lord of all the earth. Hearing something over and over again usually kind of makes it cliche in one ear, out the other. He's Lord of the earth. He's our king. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada. But if we stop, if we breathe and take a moment to look at what that means, he is the king of the entire world. He is divine, godly, and royal. And his majesty extends past the heavens. That extends past space, the infinite space itself. His majesty is so far past that. Majesty in and of itself means impressive stateliness, dignity, or beauty, royal power. And here's a look inside of my thoughts on the kingship of God. The word of a king not a president, but of a king is law. If a king says you can't ever tie your left shoe again, you never tie your left shoe again, or you'll be imprisoned or you'll be executed. The word of a king is serious business and never something to ignore or take lightly or put off until later. However, if an earthly king says you must grow a third arm, you'll never do it no matter how much he tells you to. Although earthly king has power, he's limited in what he can actually have done. However, God is so much more than that. In the beginning, God spoke. First of all, that should be kind of impossible. You can only hear me speaking because the sound waves are moving through the air. If I spoke in space, you wouldn't hear anything. God spoke. He could speak when there was nothing physical to actually allow him to because he's above that. 
but he spoke to nothing. And I mean nothing. There wasn't some person or object do this, but when he said, let there be light, light formed because his king said, let there be light. His majesty is so divine, so absolute, that light had to come forth. The impossible had to happen because the king said so. Even the greatest king of this world couldn't expect nothingness to obey him. So when we say God is Lord of all the earth, we mean so much more than just some fairy tale ruler, some fairy godfather in the sky. We mean he is king. He is to be obeyed in all things and in all times the moment he says to do something. So we're looking at God as our creator. He is love. He is Lord, ruler of all the earth. But he is also healer, teacher, sustainer of life, the way, the truth, and the life. He's redeemer, friend, lion of the tribe of Judah, deliverer, faithful, rock, mighty fortress, shepherd. The list doesn't ever actually end because we will never have enough words to fully describe all that God is. But knowing he is our king, who created and continues to sustain us, and that he loves us, how should we be coming to him? Well, the best way to come to him is in reverent fear, love, and worship. That reverent fear isn't just simply being afraid, it's a respectful fear. Like your child knows you can spank them, you can ground them, you can harm them in some way, and they have a respectful fear of you but they have a great love of you because they know you are their care provider. That's the type of reverent fear we give God, knowing he could do anything, but that he loves us. Knowing how great he is and how much higher he is than anything we could actually bring, we ought to come to him at all times, giving our very best praise, our very best. We should never hold back or do anything less than the very best at all times for God. We should always be pushing the limit in order to offer up a better and better praise because he's worth it. And the reason for pushing the limit, just like any athlete knows, you push the limit so you can push a further limit, so that you can push a further limit, so that you can go further and do more. Because God is worthy of more, so you want to keep giving him more. So we need to keep pushing the limit. It's such an amazing thing to bring our praise and worship and prayers before God and feel his presence and feel everything flow and feel so close to him and everything just seems so right. And I mean it. There's nothing better than knowing that you are giving God the very best you can give and know that it honors him and you feel his indescribable presence. We should come to God and give him our very best. But what about the times when your very best is so much less than usual? Like God deserves even more than our very best already. And here we are in a moment where we don't even have that level of very best to offer him. Because in this moment, it feels like a joke. Trying to offer up this prayer of praise that we don't even feel. Trying to offer up my prayer where I'm so tongue-tied. I can't even get it right. Or I'm standing here, they're, they're playing and... I can see people feel God. I'm just like, I, <laughs> I, I don't feel a thing. And honestly, 
it feels like half the time I'm in this position. But then so many times God has reminded me of some people who have similar situations throughout his word. There's nothing new under the sun. No matter how you're feeling now, someone has felt it before, and they have overcome. In the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, we see God tells Israel that for a certain type of sacrifice, everyone needs to bring an ox. This great majestic beast is very expensive, very valuable beast for what they did. But some people are more poor. Some people just in a bad situation. They may not have had that. And if they didn't, then they should bring a goat. And if not that, then two pigeons. And if not that, then a handful of flour. This brief lesson is that God calls for the very best. But he accepts the best you have to offer. So even if you didn't have the ox, if all you had was the two, two pigeons, that was good enough. You just had to bring your personal best. I don't need to bring Brother Alex Mason's best. I don't need to bring Sister Tasha's best. I need to bring my best. In the Old Testament, we also find a woman with two sons. She's in a very, very tight financial spot. Really tight because she doesn't have any money to pay her dues. I think we can all say amen to that. Like, whew, <laughs> bills. What she did have, though, was a single pot of oil. Just a single little pot of oil. All this woman had of any type of value was just this. It was about as helpful as having $10 when you owe $500 for the house payment. She might as well have had nothing. But God saw that entirely different. He spoke through his prophet and told her to use this amount of oil to fill every other pot she could possibly find and fill. And until she ran out of pots, this little amount of oil never ran out. And she was able, through that miracle, to pay her debt. What the woman saw was just a worthless amount of oil. But was, what God saw was just the right amount to perform a miracle. Church family, and everyone who's listening through podcast or CD, listen to me. Never think what faith you bring to God is too little. Five loaves and two fishes was too little to feed the thousands. And look what happened there. They had leftovers. If you're willing to bring it to God, no matter how small or little or worthless it is to you, God is willing to make it into something so much larger than you can even hope for. And now let's fast forward to the Gospels. Old Testament's not as relatable to us. New Testament's a little bit more. But we find the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of a son who took his inheritance, left home, wasted it. The way he took his inheritance wasn't proper. What he wasted it on was even less proper. And where he ended up with the pigs and eating what they were eating was even less proper than that. This man could literally get no lower in what state he found himself in. Culturally and spiritually, he had become a waste of space. He was there, and if he died, I guess that's just more food for the pigs. No one was going to care. But that's only the first part of the story. If we could turn to Luke chapter 15, verses 17 through 22. 
And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. This son had nothing to offer that was any worth. What he brought to his father was only the worst kind of shame and regret. He couldn't even bring back the years he wasted in the inheritance he threw away. He could only come and give himself. And although it was only shame and regret he brought back to his father, his father took him back right away. In fact, before he even got to his father, his father saw him and ran out to him. He clothed him again with honor and love. The son gave him what he had, which was shame. The father turned around and gave him honor. Maybe you're the prodigal son. Maybe all you have is shame and regret. And let's face it, that honestly doesn't seem worth bringing to God. Maybe you're thinking you need to wait until you're better before you come back or come to God for the first time. But God isn't asking you to wait. He's saying, even if all you have is feelings of shame, feelings of worthlessness, it's enough. He isn't limited to how you feel or what you bring. His only limit is whether you bring it or not. Stop waiting. You and God know that perfect time, that perfect season is never going to come. The prodigal son didn't wait for a better moment. And Jesus spoke this parable to perfectly describe your situation right now and what the results are going to be if you come. You're going to be embraced, not shunned. It doesn't matter all you're bringing is shame or regret. It doesn't matter all you got is a bad past or bad mistakes. If you bring it to God, he will use it. He will turn that around and give you honor and give you love and give you purpose in its place. God doesn't need the perfect gift or the perfect person. He's only asking for you as you are right now. Let him worry about cleaning you up after the matter instead of you trying to fix yourself up first. And I've got one more example. And this is possibly more for the choir than anybody else. But if we turn to Mark chapter 13 or 14, verses 3 through 6. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat up meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. In Luke 7 and 38, it says that she washed his feet with tears and wiped them with her hair after anointing his feet with that ointment. There are so many things we can take from this story. And it's a beautiful story, and I love it. And I'm going with this one thought I got from it recently. 
And I'm going to use myself as the example. Like her, I'm a sinner who has come to Christ. And like her, there are times where I have a very precious gift to bestow upon my Lord. And I can't doubt the worth and the beauty of it. The gift may pale in comparison to my God. But I still know the gift, whether it's worship or prayer or some work of faith, some work of ministry. I know the gift is beautiful, and God has moved in my life to be able to give it to him. But my delivery of it feels so pathetic. And let me explain. This woman had that amazing and very expensive and beautiful ointment, but only her own tears and hair to clean his feet with it. She didn't have some royal cloth. She didn't have some holy water or anything so extravagant as that. Just her hair and her tears. That's how I feel. Like I have a great, great gift to bring, but I can't find the right way to bring it. In prayer, I get tongue-tied, and I just have to start the prayer over even a few times or even get to the end of the prayer and just be like, wow, that was terrible. Just being honest. And in worship, I feel like maybe I should do something more. Maybe I'm not moving just right or I just can't get the feel for it. Nothing is flowing. Nothing is going right. Even in this message for tonight, I was freaking out about trying to make sure every word was just right. But then I remember this woman. She anointed Jesus' feet. It's a very precious gift. But her presentation was just who she was. It was just her. It was nothing special or very valuable in and of what it was. In fact, those around her even saw it as a waste. I almost feel like if some of you guys heard me praying sometimes, you'd be like, what is that? Like, is that prayer? My God, man, start over. But she presented her gift in the only way available to her in that moment. And it was just right. I have felt God tell me over and over again, it's not the way it looks. It's not the way it sounds when we bring our gift or our prayer or worship or ourself. It's to who we are bringing it to. And I know this is brief. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. But if you go ahead and stand, and Brother Alex, if you go ahead and come. We all know that God is our king and our father. He is our creator. And because of who he is, all the love and patience he gives us, which I can testify of again and again, I will always testify of his patience. We know he is worthy of even more than the very best we can bring him. But let's face it, God already knew we would never be able to bring something that he is truly worthy of even in our best moments. And we are fools to think he won't accept our offering, even when the presentation or feeling isn't the best we've ever had. Everything isn't always going to flow just right. He created humanity. He knows our shortcomings and our flaws. He knows when you're feeling it, and he is blessed by that. He knows when you're not. And I say he is blessed even more when you come anyway. I've learned after being in the gym for five years, it's not the days you get a new personal best. It's not the days you've lifted more than anything else. It's not the days you had everyone watching like, wow, that is so amazing. I wish I could do that. Those are good days. 
but they're not the most important days. They're actually somewhat of the least important days. The most important days are the days where you don't want to go. Everything inside you screams, don't go, and you go anyway. Yeah, it may have been the worst day you've ever had in the gym. You may have felt silly. You may have felt like, man, I'm glad no one can see me, or I wish no one could see me. But it kept you consistent, and that is far more valuable. There is great value in coming to God even when you don't want to. He is blessed by your effort even when it doesn't seem like it's enough. And I'm going to open this altar tonight, whether you come or whether you stay there. I just want you to pray, and I just want you to worship. I want you to bring what you have and know that it's enough. You don't have to be afraid to do it. You don't have to be afraid it doesn't sound right, it doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right. Because God is telling us that is enough. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.